In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg. The Berrien County Election Commission has approved two recall petitions related to Buchanan's elected officials. One petition focused on recalling Mayor Sean Dennison for his suspension of the former city manager. The other focused on recalling Commissioner Dan Vagonsky for racially insensitive remarks. Petition organizers now have a 180-day window within which to turn in enough voter signatures to initiate a special election. At the hearing, Commissioner Vagonsky denied he is a racist. I referred to the crowd as you people in conversation, never one-on-one. I mean, look at me. I've got a broken nose, but I didn't get that from getting smacked. I mean, this face is pretty because I do know how to talk to people. I mean, and I make a joke of it because this is how trivia some of these words are. Nobody's worried about actions anymore. They're worried about words. Asked about the recall petition for the mayor, Vagonsky said it's not an effective way to govern. I've always disagreed with recalls for a number of reasons. People forget about the business at hand. And Sean is going to have a very difficult time moving forward. And I do feel for him. But I'm up for recall, too. Election Commission members noted the estimated cost of a recall election in Buchanan could approach $40,000. Petition supporter Monroe LeMay said after five years of wrong decisions in the city, she said it would cost voters even more if they do nothing. LeMay went on to say she would recall all of the commissioners, but is starting with Denison. The Benton Township Board of Trustees tonight will consider the site plan for the Chick-fil-A planned on Pipestone Road. The Benton Township Planning Commission approved the project last week, and Supervisor Kathy Yates tells us it's now the full board's turn. With approval, the Chick-fil-A can move forward. I think it's a wonderful addition to our businesses we have. We've never had one in our area like this before. It's one that's well-liked around the community because I've been getting nothing but positive feedback since the information has hit the news. And I'm grateful to our citizens who's reaching out to me to let me know that they're real happy about that happening. The developers are planning to tear down the old Steak and Shake and build the Chick-fil-A on that site. They've also purchased property adjacent to the former Steak and Shake to accommodate cars. Yates says they know there will be a perpetual long waiting line outside. It will be because I look at Popeyes and at times they're still circling. Yates said the developers want double lanes. She said drivers won't pull up to a window to receive their orders, but the orders will instead be hand-delivered. The developers aim to begin construction in the spring and hope to be open next fall. A proposed responsible contracting policy to ensure equity and training standards are met with city projects has been turned down by Benton Harbor City Commissioners. At their Monday meeting, they heard from City Manager Ellis Mitchell, Assistant City Manager Alex Little, and City Attorney Sarah Seneca that the proposal, backed by unions, would put too much of a burden on contractors. Little said with the city often facing deadlines to spend grant dollars and limited bids coming in for projects, having stricter standards than other communities would jeopardize those grant funds and stop work from being completed. City Attorney Seneca agreed. My fear is that this might be a good policy, but at the wrong time. It requires substantial training. And right now, even with the requirements that we have that don't require that training, contractors can't comply. So if they look at this policy and say, there's no way I can comply with this. This is the hardest policy in Southwest Michigan to comply with. They're not going to bid on your jobs. Commissioners heard a pitch for the policy from the Michigan Laborers District Council back in August. The group said the policy would protect the city from bad contractors who cut corners. However, Seneca said it places stringent training requirements on those contractors that would turn them away. 
The city commission then rejected the proposal with Commissioners Henry, Ethel Clark Griffin, and Mary Alice Adams disagreeing and voting yes to implement. The Berrien County Jail is getting a new piece of equipment intended to prevent deaths in the facility. Interim Sheriff Chuck Hyde tells us they've purchased a full body scanner, something that can detect if someone has swallowed an object or has hidden an object on their body, no matter what it is. It will scan the entire body, including and show things that may be inside. So obviously we've had some instances where people have swallowed drugs. It'll do metallic and non-metallic, so it would pick up if there's a bag of drugs, but also a weapon as well. A Benton Harbor man who was an inmate at the jail died in March after swallowing a plastic baggie of meth. It says the sheriff's department decided to get the new scanner to prevent further incidents. Before we've had scanners that just do the outside or may pick up metal type objects, but this is a whole body scanner that will show if there's things inside or hidden as well. Hyde says the equipment is already on the department's capital projects list, but the March death prompted quicker action on making the purchase. He tells us about 16 jails in the state have full body scanners. The cost was $140,000 and it's scheduled to be delivered today. The city of Hartford has launched a survey as it plans improvements at Eli Park. The city says it's planning to seek a SPARK grant from the state, and the survey will help it learn what the public wants at the park. SPARK grants are available to communities to create, renovate, and redevelop public recreation opportunities, especially in those communities whose economies and health were hardest hit by COVID. Hartford qualifies. The survey asks residents about Eli Park accommodations like the restrooms, seating, and lighting. It's online now, and we have a link to it at our website, wsjm.com. Residents can also fill out a paper version of the form at City Hall. In addition to the survey, a public input open house is planned for Thursday, January 11. That'll be held at the Hartford Public Library from 5 to 7 p.m., and the public is invited to attend and share their thoughts. Residents of Pawpaw Township and Antwerp Township are being invited to take part in a state program to monitor the exposure of residents to certain chemicals and heavy metals. Michigan Department of Health and Human Services environmental epidemiologist Rachel Long tells us the Michigan Chemical Exposure Monitoring Project is being rolled out to random communities throughout the state. They're checking the blood and urine of residents for things like lead, mercury, and PFOS. So we want to see which groups of Michiganders are more affected than others, if there are any other predictors of chemical exposure that the state can then design programs and policies around to try to limit Michigan residents' exposure to them. The MyChem Project team will be in the Pawpaw Township area from February 14 through February 16, and over the next few weeks, households in parts of Pawpaw Township and Antwerp will receive the project invitations. Anyone who wants to help with the study can follow the instructions in the invitation. People who are selected to participate will be given a survey and asked to provide blood and urine samples. They'll then receive their results along with a $65 gift card. Another sex trafficker has been caught in West Michigan. U.S. Attorney Mark Totten announced a guilty plea for 29-year-old Tori Franklin of Grand Rapids, who was accused of trafficking a child. Franklin admitted using online advertisements to offer sexual services of a minor to prospective customers. After posting the ads, Franklin would negotiate prices before transporting the minor for the quote-unquote sex dates. Franklin now faces at least 10 years to life in prison. United States House of Representatives last week approved the $886 billion National Defense Authorization Act, something area Congressman Bill Heisinger says will help the U.S. military strengthen its readiness. He tells us the package includes a 5% pay increase for troops. 
This is the largest percentage raise for the troops that we've had in the modern era. This is extremely important because especially a lot of those uh, junior enlisted folks or even junior officers, they don't make a ton of money and they have been just getting crushed by uh, inflation just like everybody else has been. Heisinger says the package lays the groundwork for more aid to Ukraine by increasing Inspector General powers to ensure there's more transparency with the aid. It also addresses the issue of troops who were kicked out of the military for refusing to get the COVID vaccine. To allow them to get back into the military if that is something that they wanted them to do. There was a number of people that were dishonorably discharged. I believe wrongly dishonorably discharged. The bill includes three provisions from Heisinga. One would require a study by the Secretary of Defense on alternative vessel designs for improved special operations. The second would call on NATO member states to commit to providing at least 2% of their GDP to defense. And the third requires a report to Congress on military activities of Russia and China in the Arctic region. Heisinger says the legislation passed with broad bipartisan support, showing the House can still do its job even in these divided times. In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg.